less conversation, a little more Elvis, please. All this aggravation is satisfaction in me. Come on, baby, let's start talking. A little less conversation, a little more Elvis. Hello, Mark, Andrew, how are you? Hey, hey Kevin, how are you, mate? Um, our podcast did really well, uh, the first one. Episode one was uh, was terrifically received, uh, Sam Thompson, and, and so it should be. Great stories and people from all around the world uh, tuning in to have a listen, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah thanks, everyone, and um, thanks for listening. And um, I'm sure we can get Sam back. He's got so many more stories, and he's a good, good friend of mine. So, yeah, awesome. Well, we've got another person that uh, that you've come to know quite well uh, as the star of this episode. Now, lovingly referred to, and I mean that, lovingly referred to as one of the gate people, which sounds like a kind of spooky, freaky kind of title to give to someone, but it is actually a loving title. It is, and, you know, Sandy's really humble about her experiences with Elvis and um, very modest. She was one of those few people that was accepted into Elvis's circle, and she ended up um, dating Charlie Hodge, who was... Elvis's water boy and sang harmony with him and handed his guitars. He was very close friend of Elvis, met him in the army. Unfortunately, we can't get Charlie because he passed away, I think, in 2012 or 11. But um, Sandy was going out with him and she's got some great stories. Yeah, she went sort of from the outer sanctum into the inner sanctum. And the, and the lovely thing I like, and people get this as they, as they have a listen to us talk to Sandy, uh, is uh, A, the respectful way that she went about everything she did in her relationship with not only Elvis, but all the people around Elvis. Mm, oh, yeah. And she's got tons and tons of journals she used to document every single day like that she spent. So, like, you know, um, and again, I don't think she wants to release a book because there's no. a lot of pri- private stuff in there too, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, when you say private, it's not uh, – it's, it's more memories. personal. Yeah, yeah, that's right, you know. So, you know, I, I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, meet Sandy quite a few years ago and uh, we became friends over the time and, and she she's quite willingly open to sharing most of her stories and it's great. And she was there, the 68 concert, the, the much-celebrated 68 concert, which we'll talk to a few more people about in, in great detail uh, in coming episodes of this podcast. But she was there. She was front and centre at one of the, uh, one of the recordings uh, That's right. on the stage. Yeah. I even um, sent her a photo recently and said, uh, Sandy, are you checking out Elvis's ass in this photo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let's get to it. It's uh, Sandy Miller, uh, one of the, uh, as we said, lovingly referred to as one of the gate people who was uh, got to know uh, Elvis and got inside the inner sanctum of, of Elvis Presley. So let's have a listen. I guess we should start by, by sort of describing your relationship with Elvis, I guess, at the start, where, where it started and, and kind of where it finished. Oh, um, well, I was a fan. I was a, a gate fan, I guess is what they're calling us. Um, because we would go up and stand at his gate and wait for him to come home from filming. This is back when he was making movies in the mid sixties, and he had a he had a regular schedule. Then he would go to the studio like eight in the morning. He'd come home between five and six at night. So we would head up to the gate after after work, and basically wait for him to to come home from from the studio. And nine times out of ten, he would stop and um, and visit with everybody. So that's how I first, you know, 
that's how it kind of came to be. And then just over, I mean, it took a while, over, over time, it was a slow process. <laughs> um, I don't know, they just started inviting us into, into his home. And it was a gradual thing, and just over the years, we just became friends. Originally, your girlfriend was hanging around the gates. Well, she was a she was a pen pal. If we go back to before I moved to California, okay. I had a um, I had a yeah I had a pen pal in in California who invited me to come out and and visit during summer vacation and yes her and her mom used to go up and do the same thing go up to the gate and wait for him to come home so um she invited me to come out to california and that was my junior year of high school and i went and i i got to i got to see him i wouldn't say i got to meet him i got to see him <laughs> was that about 1965 yes correct yes i got to meet him and she, she he stopped and she basically introduced me to him as, you know, her, her friend from Minnesota. <laughs> and, and that was it. It took like maybe 10 seconds. It was like very quick. And then the next year, I fell in love with California. So the following year, I actually, after I graduated, I moved out to California. Yeah, right. So what was the first thing Elvis said to you? The, the first thing he said was, Sandy from Minnesota, right? He remembered from the previous year. Yeah, that impressed me. <laughs> so, and yeah, that was the first thing he said. You were sort of hanging out at the gate for quite some time. What happened then? Like, well, the, where Yeah, the boys kept inviting us, the so-called Memphis Mafia. The guys kept inviting us to come inside, and we kept turning them down because we were like, she was 17, I was 18. They were probably in their late 20s, I'm guessing, by that time and we just didn't think it was appropriate so we just kept turning them down turning them down and then finally one day Elvis um, said you know why why don't you come in you know you're you'll be safe you'll be fine so yeah it it took us a while before we actually accepted to go inside and what was Did that experience that? like yeah the first time you went inside the house how, how was that I, I, you know what we were in such a daze that I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you what it looked like. It, it, it was like surreal, you know. But the mind just kind of goes blank. Can you tell us the story when Elvis invited you in? You said that you had to call your mom or something. When he said, "You know, why don't you come in?" and we said, "Well, you know," my roommate said, "My mother would kill me, right?" <laughs> and he goes, "Well, do you want to come inside and call her and and get permission?" And so we just kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, sure, okay. So we went inside the house, and there's a wall phone, and he kind of pointed to it. And my room, she says, it's a long-distance call, because it, it was a long-distance call, you know, back then. And he goes, oh, that's okay. He says, I think I can, aff I think I can afford it. So, so she, she did call. Um, her mom was skeptical. She didn't really believe that we were calling from his house. So he got on the phone and he basically said, you know, we're, we're having a barbecue, you know, we'd like the girls to stay. They'll be safe. You know, just let me know what time they need to be home. And so apparently she told him 10 o'clock and right now it's about five o'clock, I'm guessing. And so, at, yeah. oh, so after, um, after he hung up, 
he asked us, um, you know, how long does it take you to drive home? And we said, well, about an hour. And he goes, okay. And that at nine o'clock, he goes, okay, you have to leave now because I promised your mom you'd be home at 10. So we left. They hadn't even started the barbecue yet. <laughs> they, really? That probably started at midnight. Knowing when. <laughs> so that was the first time that we went in and we didn't even get to pay for the barbecue. <laughs> and then he moved to the Rocka house shortly after that. So that, that became the- our new, our new hangout. <laughs> Was that the house where you can actually see from the hill, from the top of the hill? Yes, it was kind of in a in a gully, and if you went up to the top of the hill, you could look down and actually see right into the house. Yeah, I think that so, was yeah. the house where he he met the Beatles, right? No, he met the Beatles at the Prusia house, the house he lived in prior to that. Were you there? This at is the Rocker house. I wasn't there. No, his cook that became a good friend of ours. She was there, and she, you know, she would tell us about, she would tell us about that evening, but yeah, I wasn't there for that. So Sandy, so this started in 1965 and then uh, it kind of, it escalated. Did, did you, you started dating one of the, uh, one of Elvis's bodyguards? I started dating Charlie. Yeah. 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 It was very nice. It was, that's kind of when I got to know everybody and be invited down there. Like he would go to Palm Springs on the weekend to, that was his like, that was his getaway. That's where they would go after filming all week long. Then they would head down to Palm Springs, usually Friday night, and stay until Sunday night. And uh, I'd get to go down there, and that was nice because it was very relaxing, and it was just um, watching TV, playing board games, playing cards, hanging out by the pool, you know, not nothing too exciting, just um, yeah. just relaxing. So how long were you dating exciting, him? <laughs> about about three years when he when he would be in California. Of course, they only spent half the year in California. The other half, he was in Memphis, and I'm sure he was probably seeing somebody there too. <laughs> the way it went, but we remained friends until until he passed away. Yeah, yeah, we stayed in touch. So did, did you ever nice. hang out at Memphis? Um, I went to Memphis. Well, three, three or four times. So didn't really hang out there. Made a couple trips out there. Got to go to the the Memphian movie parties and got to go to Graceland and just hang out there for a while. But yeah, basically it was all California, not so much Memphis. You you went to the New Year's Eve parties though, didn't you? A couple of those. Yeah, two of those. But that but that invitation came. Um, not from Elvis or anybody that came from the colonel. He would he would send out invitations, oddly enough, to the parties, and he would send them out to fan club presidents. So, at one point, I had a club, uh, a fan club for him back in Minnesota, which I quit doing once I moved to California because I just didn't have the time to do it anymore. But I was still on the colonel's mailing list, I guess, because yeah, we would get an invite to the to the New Year's Eve party. Some people, um, you know, the, the the expression is don't meet your idols and don't meet the people that you have great admiration for because often they can disappoint you. But obviously this this was not the case with, with your relationship with Elvis. Oh, heavens no. It was probably just the opposite. I mean, he was better than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> I like to say that I had him on a pedestal. Mm. You know, I, I thought, before I met him, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, he... He doesn't cuss and he doesn't smoke and 
and he loves his mother and he loves God. And then I got to meet him and I'm like, okay, well, two out of four is not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, he turned out to be very normal in a very quirky sort of way. He was, he was kind of eccentric, but he was just as sweet as he could be and just as kind as he could be. And he was amazing with the fans. He was just amazing. I mean, I can't, I can't even tell you how out of his way he would go to do things for them and to acknowledge them and spend time with them. I mean, it's, I can't think of another celebrity that stops on his way home from work every night just to visit with people standing at his gate for heaven's sake and then and and invite them into his home sometimes even yeah. even at the Rocca house he would send out Charlie or Richard or one of the other guys he would send out cold drinks for everybody you know cuz he knew they were standing out there in the heat all day long and he he, he would send out things for him and yeah he, it's just amazing. It still boggles the mind that, and, and that he stayed so consistent from the fifties clear up until the end, where he mm. he was so accessible um, up until I would say the last maybe year, year and a half, when he moved to the Monavale House, it kind of stopped. There there weren't people hanging around the gate there, and things did change, but. But we were still invited up. I mean, we still got to go. It was just a different, it was just yeah. a different atmosphere. Yeah. Sandy, his connection with the fans was so intense, with, with you guys, the gate, if you want to call them the gate people, um, that he actually even noticed when a couple went missing at one stage, I believe. Yeah, there was a married couple, um, um, Jane and Bob. Looking back now, I always called them an older couple, but looking back now, they were probably in their 50s, to tell you the truth. But they seemed old to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, they would come up They would come up every weekend if he wasn't in Palm Springs. And he really, he liked the husband a lot. Uh, they, they got along really good. They were always joking back and forth. And then they didn't show up for a while. And he, he asked the fans, he goes, you know, does, does any, has anybody seen Jane or Bob and we're like no and he goes well gee is anybody you know can you get a hold of them can any does anybody have their phone number or anything because he knew Bob had not been in the best of health he had he was diabetic he had other issues going on and you know we didn't have phone numbers for them we didn't even know what their last name was and um so that was the end of that then um we ran into Jane, when he did a show in Vegas, we ran into her in the lobby of the um, International Hotel, and we were excited to tell her that Elvis had been asking about her and Bob, and she goes, yeah, she goes, you know, Bob passed away, and she goes, you know, Elvis Elvis came out out to visit me, and we're like, yeah, no, he didn't, (laughs) and she said, yeah, she says he... He showed up all by himself, no entourage, no anything. Um, apparently, he we found this out after the fact, he remembered what her license plate was. And he had a photographic memory. And he had a friend who I'm sure had connections with the police. We really don't know. Um, but he tracked down her address and got in his car and drove out to the trailer park. She lived in a trailer. Um and drove out there to find out, you know, what was going on because he was worried about Bob. 
well, um, we're, if she's telling us all this, I mean, we're kind of believing her, but we're not believing her, you know, that situation. So she hauls off, she says, I have a picture. And she hauls out this Polaroid photo of her standing in her living room. And you could tell that it had the paneling on the wall like most of the mobile homes had back then. And you could see a bunch of flowers in the background that looked like they were still from the funeral or something. And, um, yeah, it's a picture of her and Elvis. And then there was a picture of her and her her neighbor um, that was there. So, yeah, she was telling the truth. He showed up all right. Yeah, wow. it was amazing. Goodness. And talking about pictures, um, you're responsible for a lot of candid photos of Elvis that are really like they're treasured memories now when uh, we look at those candid moments of Elvis and you're responsible because you always had the camera with you. Yeah, it was a camera fool. Those were all taken with a little $14 Instamatic camera. And I used to always ask them before I took a picture, especially in, at night because, you know, with it, they had those flash cubes on them and that can get annoying after a while if flashes keep popping off in your face. So I would always ask them, you know, you know, may I take a picture? And after saying that probably about a dozen times, he says, you don't have to ask. He says, he says, y'all can take as many pictures as you want. If I ever don't want you to, I will tell you. And that, that went for everybody. He never had a problem with people taking his picture. And he never turned anybody down. And I think I can only recall one time when he said, please, no pictures. And that was when Lisa was little. And everybody wanted to see her so bad. And he said, I'll go in and I'll get her, but yeah. no photos. No pictures. And yeah. everybody put their everybody yeah, everybody put their cameras down and honored that. Moving sort of ahead now, you were in the audience for the sixty eight comeback special. We were. We got our tickets from Elvis because he was afraid nobody was gonna show up. So oh, he was good. handing them out to people. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us a bit about that story? The tickets were free, number one. All you had to do is you had to send a self-addressed stamped envelope to NBC Studios, and they would send you, I think I think the limit was four, four tickets per address. And we had done that. We, we had sent away four tickets. Um, but then we went up to the house. And he kept asking everybody, are, are you going to come? And, you know, are you sure you're going to come? He goes, I'm just afraid nobody's going to show up. <laughs> then he start, he just started handing out tickets. He had a handful of them, and there was like mm, seven or eight of us standing out there. And we all, we all got tickets, and then the tickets we had sent for, we gave those to friends. So, yeah, bless his heart, he didn't think anybody was going to show up. And then after he finished... Then he wanted to know if we liked it. You know, did, did you like it? Was it okay? Did I do okay? <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't think of Elvis as being insecure, but he had his moments. Did you yeah. did you have a sense then that, uh, of what, you know, what a big occasion that was uh, and how history would see that that uh, that show? No, not at the time. I, we were just thrilled to, to, to be able to see him. We had never seen him perform. You know, we just saw him in the movies. We saw him in the movies, and we saw him when he'd come out and visit, but we'd never seen him perform. So it was like 
so exciting to us. But no, I don't think we really realized that that was going to be like as big a deal as, you know, as it was. Obviously, there was um, four sittings for that, for those shows. There were two where he was standing up um, in the square and two mm-hmm. shows where he was sitting down. So were you there right. for all four shows? Wow. No, we were and there for they, one, one sitting and one standing. For one show, you you're right on the front of the stage. Yeah, yep. And most of those girls that you see, not all of them, but most of the girls you see around the stage were gate girls. He knew them, you know. And they, and even the ones sitting close to the stage, there's a there's a lot of girls in there that um, they're still around. Um, they're on Facebook. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny we're still hanging in there, all us old timers. Yeah, well, it's great. Like it's great to hold on to these stories and hear these stories. The gate people were. Um, it was the same five or six core uh, fans that would go up there, and then you'd have. Additional fans, of course, that would come by, and and one time there was a tour bus. They used to you used to be able to buy maps to the movie stars' homes mm-hmm. in L.A. and and there would be tour buses that would take people around to you know celebrities' homes. And there was one time this big white van, which was one of the tour buses, and Elvis was standing out um, in the driveway just talking to maybe half a dozen fans, and. Of course, the bus stops wanting to know, because he wasn't on the map. He had just moved into that house. So he wasn't listed on that map yet. <laughs> and so they stopped and they said, who lives here? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, but Danny Thomas lives right down there. <laughs> so the bus goes and <laughs> to the bottom of, uh, goes to the bottom of the hill and they all get out and they take pictures. And everybody piles back into the bus. And then on the way back, the bus stops again. And the bus driver goes, you know, you, you look an awful lot like Elvis Presley. And Elvis says, yeah, I know. I get that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they and they drove off. They drove up. Here's a whole busload of people that could have gotten out and met him, but they just kind of like didn't think it was him. Hey, Sandy, your last meeting with Too Elvis was in, was in Palm Springs? Yes, it was a couple months before before he passed. And I believe you almost didn't go um, down to, to Palm Springs that weekend. You were going to give it a miss? I didn't want to go. I had I had two children by then, and, um, you know, I would have needed to get a sitter. And I had I – had, it was one of those things where I just had so much to do. And then, I, I don't know, just on the spur of the moment, I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll just go down for a couple hours because it was like a two-hour trip. And – so I called up my friend, and she said, yeah, she could take the kids for a couple hours. And I figured, well, I'll just drive down there, say hi to everybody, and come home, you know, not not stay down there for, for the night or anything, just just run down there for the day. And I'm so glad I did, because that is the last time I saw him. Um, so and it was just a couple of the guys and him, and he had a... Um, he introduced me to what he called my... My new my new girl and my new gal, yeah. No, he says this is my new girl. Um, so I met her, whoever she was, and um, and I didn't get a chance. To, I had a very brief conversation with him. Um, basically, he said, you know, 
He says, I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to get healthy. Those were his exact words. And he said, um, and then I'm going down a new path. And dummy me, I didn't think to say, oh, what path or, you know, oh, what have you got planned? I just, you know, I just, I didn't say anything. After he passed, like a good year afterwards, the Stamps were doing a um, a concert at one of the local churches in my town. And we all got together after the event and all went out and had a bite to eat. And, of course, we're all talking about the last time that we saw Elvis. And I told J.D. Sumner, you know, what he had said. And J.D. goes, he says, you know what he's talking about, didn't you? And I said, no. I says, I didn't, I didn't question, I didn't question him. He goes, he goes, we were going to do a gospel tour. And I said, I don't think the colonel would have let him. And he goes, let me tell you something. Uh-huh. If Elvis wanted to do something, he'd find a way to do it. And he goes, and I'm telling you right now, we would have done a gospel tour. Yeah, obviously so many memories. Um I wanted to ask you, like like me and probably like everybody, you heard about Elvis's death the same way we all did, and that was that was on the radio. Yeah, that's how I heard on the radio. We had I had just taken my kids to go see um, one of the Herbie the Love Bug movies or whatever, <laughs> and yeah. we I, we had just gotten in, we had just gotten in the car, and I turned on the radio and I heard "Dead at Forty Two, and then they played an Elvis song, and I'm like. No, you know, oh my God, no! And I, yeah. I think I ran three red, three red lights getting home, and ran in the house. And I had, I had three numbers to Graceland. Um, I had the number to the kitchen. I had Charlie's number, and I, I don't even know what the third number was too. But I had three numbers, and I started calling them, and they're, they're all busy, 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 busy. And I finally got through, and the maid answered. And she sounded, she sounded normal. So I'm like, oh, good. You know, everything's okay. She sounds good. And I said, um, I, she said, who's, I said, may I speak to Charlie, please? And she says, yes. She goes, who's calling? And I said, tell him Sandy from California. And she says, okay. And now I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, she sounds, she sounds good. You know, everything's okay. And the minute Charlie got on the phone, I knew, all he said was, it's true. And he, he was crying, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah, I think I, I don't even remember much after that. It was horrible. Mm. It was horrible. And you went to, you went to Graceland after that, uh, a couple of weeks or, or, or months after that, you, you went down and, and th- that was the next time you were Yeah. It, yeah. It was, it was well after that. Um, yeah. I went down and, and, uh, stayed three, three nights. In Graceland, yeah. Were you there for um, the? With Char- was I there, there for, for what the funeral? Yeah. No, uh-uh. you, you you couldn't get you couldn't get plane you couldn't get anything. The hotels were booked up. Everything no, there was no way. Yeah. So no, I didn't. And Charlie Charlie even said he says you know just remember him how how he was. Just remember him how he was. How how do you remember him, Sandy? And, oh, uh, as one of the most amazing, caring, weird, <laughs> <laughs> weird, eccentric, absolutely lovable person. I mean, you couldn't, you could not help 
but like him. Even if you didn't want to like him, you couldn't help but like him because he just, he had an aura about him that just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. What, he what was made fa- him he was fascinating. What made him weird? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of things. <laughs> Let's go sit out by the pool completely covered in head to toe with a fan <laughs> on us. <laughs> um, no, what he, was that, he was just, he was <laughs> They would put like a, a, a fan, you know, just a, a portable fan out by the pool and he'd be sitting out there in his in his jogging suit with a towel wrapped around his neck in the 110 degree heat with a fan blowing on him. Uh, he was uh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> he, and I he was a practical he, joker, of course. I suppose he never grew up, did he? He was still like a child he at didn't. heart. He was like a big kid. I think that's what made him fun to be around because we were kind of goofy too. And he was kind of goofy. So it all kind of worked out. You know, he yeah. could be very silly sometimes. And and I suppose he but, either liked you or he didn't, because um, he he wouldn't have got friendly with everybody. Um, so he, you must have really impressed him to sort of be invited in into the circle. Well, we uh, I was very shy and quiet back then. <laughs> I don't know if you put up with me these days, but I, I guess I was non-threatening. I don't know. Um, I just kind of let him be and in fact um the first couple of times i don't think i ever spoke a word and then one day he just said you know you really need to just not talk so much and let everybody else get a word in edgewise (laughs) (laughs) i'm like okay i better start i better say something because he's making fun of me now (laughs) sandy you kept journals from from all those all those meetings and all those days that that you know i yeah what, what have I you, would write everything down when have, I got home. What have you done with them? Because everyone else has has managed to find a way to publish and, 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 and get those things out there. You, you've never done that? Is there a reason? No. Yeah, there is. Um, I have about 40 of them. They're actually notebooks, you know, like school notebooks. Yeah. And I, I think I have 40 of them. I think that's how many last time I counted. Um, well, I think there's been so much written about him that they don't need to be reading my stuff. And also, it was a different time. And a lot of the things, there's nothing bad in them because nothing bad happened. But I I think people would take offense to it and just give them another reason to rip it, you know. You know, like, why did he always have these girls in his house? And why did blah, 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 blah. And... (laughs) I'm just not, I just don't have the patience anymore to try to tell people, you know, it was all innocent. It was all fun. It was great. And people now just, like I said, it's just a different time. I don't think they'd understand. And I think I don't want anything to reflect badly on him. And you'd have to kind of know what the situation was it's, I've let people read them. I have friends that come over to my house, and I have no problem hauling them out, and letting letting them read them. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we have we have done that. I have several friends that can tell you they've read them, but to publish them, it almost to me seems like an invasion 
of his privacy, not mine, but of his. Um, yeah. It's just something I, I don't want to do. I've been offered a lot of money to do it, but again, it's I don't think it's necessary. You know, if you want to read them, come over here and I'll let you read them. But yeah. I think yeah. I think that in a lot of ways that explains why you were in the inner sanctum because he trusted you and obviously you trusted him and there was a, a degree of respect and, and, and trust between the two of you that you've you've kept that bond mm. beautifully. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll share my pictures. Um, I, I, I love doing that. I don't mind doing that because I figured he he allowed it. And so yeah. so why not? You know, let's share them. And I enjoy sharing them. Were you ever on um, a movie set with Elvis and the, the gang? Um, I went on location for Live a Little, Love a Little, and oh, yeah. to yeah, and to Sedona for Stay Away Joe and yeah. um, and Charo, which was there was Charo Apache Junction, Sedona. Yeah, those are the only three. Right. So what's your favorite and Elvis movie? Do you have one? Blue Hawaii. <laughs> right. For no particular reason. And I, I and I I love the I love King Creole, which I yeah. think is one of his best movies. Yeah. What's your favorite Elvis song? And that just depends on my mood. My my favorite anything gospel he sang because gospel is what he would sing at home. And I associate gospel with him more than any other song. He liked to sing um, Dean Martin songs, too. <laughs> uh. I, I don't have a favorite song. It just kind of depends on my mood. A bit like me. Um, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite memory of, of, you know, knowing Elvis and being there with him? No, because they were all special um, you, you can't narrow it down to just you can't narrow it down to just one memory because uh, it it was mm. w- one on top of the other on top of the other on top of the other. Um, I could never narrow it down to just one. I mean, just being just being around him was amazing. I mean, I knew it was amazing then. I know now it's. I wish I had appreciated it more at the time we saw him so much and spent so much time around him that we we kind of took it for granted you know like yeah we're gonna go down to pump springs this weekend okay you know and i wish uh, looking back i wish i paid more attention and i wish i had even though i appreciated it i i wish i'd appreciated it even more Hindsight's great, isn't it? Is there, Mark mentioned a favourite moment. Is there, is there a favourite photo? Have you got a photo that you took of Elvis that is the photo that you love the most? Um, yeah, there's one taken um, down in Sedona, Arizona, where he's in a liquor store. <laughs> he was, they went down there just to, Charlie needed cigarettes and Elvis wanted to buy some National Enquirer magazines and stuff to read. Um, I, I, I really like that one. He looks very, very good in that one. Um, I have a couple that I've never given out that are my favorites, um, but I've never given out copies to anyone. So they've never even been seen, but there's, there's only a couple of those and they were taken inside the house. Um, there's one where he's 
out by the pool and he's got his cigar in one hand and he's got on yellow, um, uh, they weren't Levi's, yellow slacks, I don't know what to call them, yellow slacks and a a V-necked white um, sweater with nothing underneath it. So it, it's like nothing that you would associate with him wearing. It was kind of like something different. And, and he was barefoot. And he's just standing out by the pool smoking the sweat. <laughs> and I, lo- I love that picture. So that photo is not public, Sandy? Yeah, no, I've never given them out. Oh. O- only because they were taken inside, again, because they were taken yeah, inside got, at home. Yeah, yeah, you got a lot of respect for him. What's something that um, Elvis gifted you that you still have today? Oh, I still have everything. Um, uh, I got a TLC necklace, of course. Um, I got a, a diamond watch, a little turquoise pinky ring, which um, he didn't give it to me. We got to pick it out and a birthstone ring and a diamond ring. He had in Las Vegas, he had his jeweler um, bring up a case up to the suite and he basically had it laid out on the, on the dining room table and he told everybody, you know, just pick out, pick out whatever you want. So, you know, of course, everybody went over and picked out something and I picked out this little turquoise pinky ring because I, I have small hands hmm. and most of the rings were, most of the rings were pretty big. They're just nothing I would wear. They were like cocktail rings and, but I really liked that little pinky ring. So after everybody had picked out what they wanted, he kind of wanted to go around to see what everybody had chosen. And my roommate, um, Jan, she had picked out also a turquoise ring, but a, um, a long, uh, an oval, an oval stone, but she has very long thin fingers and she could pull that off. So when we showed him what we had, he goes, well, he goes, well, pick out something else. He goes, that, that's nothing. He says, pick out something else. And I'm like, you know, I told, I told Elvis, I go, I won't really wear anything like that. I don't wear cocktail rings. And, um, he goes, well, what do you like? And I go, I just like simple things. And I like, I like the turquoise. I like the turquoise pinky ring. And so he just kind of gave me a weird look and he's kind of looking over the case and there was a, a pave, a, do, a diamond pave ring, which was just like a band. And he goes, do you like this? And I go, yeah, I like that. And he goes, okay, then take this. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I got two, I got two rings that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still, I still have, um, I still have all the rings. I still have the watch. Sandy, it's been fabulous to catch up with you. We're, we're both obviously, um, you know, envious of the relationship that you had with Elvis. No one can ever take those memories away from you. That's a, that's a terrific thing to have. When she met him, that, that you never forgot him. Some great stories from Sandy Miller, and uh, we have plenty more coming from all sorts of different people that, uh, that Mark, that you've come to know over the years in your travels uh, with your Elvis show uh, and taking tours to America and all that. Now, who have we got coming up in the next one? So our next guest is Charles Stone. He was Elvis's tour producer. When I say tour producer, he controlled every ticket sale in every Elvis concert there was. Wow. 
And I'll let uh, I'll let Charles tell the story how he met Elvis and everything because it's a fantastic story. But um, can you imagine being patted on the back by the Colonel, you know, for <laughs> selling every single ticket for an Elvis show? Which probably you know you might say it wouldn't have been hard, but um, uh, in those days. I think it was about fifteen dollars a ticket. So. Yeah, wow! And work, working for the Colonel's a, 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 a certainly an interesting experience in life, as as Charles will tell us in the next episode. Yeah, and thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, if you have any suggestions, or you've got some stories, or even we might have some fans on the show, Kevin. You yep. know, so yeah, absolutely. Stories, you got an Elvis uh, story? By all means. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of Elvis fans out there that uh, were at Elvis concert. If you're at an Elvis concert, shoot us an email, elvispresleypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Simple as that. And uh, you've got some shows coming up too. You've got a, a cruise off yeah, to New so, Zealand. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, involved with the P&O Elvis tribute cruises. And um, so off to Auckland uh, this week. And then in December, we have Melbourne. So, and then next year, we've got Brisbane, Sydney, Auckland, and Melbourne again. So, you know, if you want to come on a four day cruise or three day cruise, uh, jump on PO and type in the uh, tribute to the King Cruise. Beautiful. And you've got your own shows uh, uh, around the place as well. People can go to your uh, to your website or to your social media platforms and find out all about those where they can see you live. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, my shows have been doing really well and um, it's, it's great, you know, so thanks everyone again for your support. Very good. Mark, until the next time, take care and we'll... Uh, thanks, Kevin. We'll uh, be back ne- next time with Charles Stone here on A Little Less Conversation, A Little More Elvis. That's the one. Well, I said I got a woman... Where goes that? She's good to me. Oh, yeah. I said I got a woman. Where goes that? She's good to me.